Welcome to Psychotherapy, episode 94. I'm your host, Jet Dunlap, as usual. In today's episode, we talk about how to navigate the world in a post-information age. We speak to the trickery that's going on to hijack your brain. And you're thinking to yourself, if you're a long-time listener, Jet, you've talked about this before. And I say to you, no, this is a new one. Trust me, I just did it. But it is a, a, a fabulous episode. Many people... You can tell I'm being honest, as well as publications and periodicals are saying that this may be one of the most recent episodes you've heard. So if you don't believe me, take their word for it. I don't want to give too much away because clearly I've forgotten what I'm talking about. And for that reason, I introduce to you, in a weird way of saying introduce, a show that is unlike other shows in its numeric sequence because it is less than 95 and more than 93. So welcome to that, and uh, I hope you enjoy. Now the music. I'm not going to waste your time because you rarely waste mine. I'm going to go into a theory I had that was absolutely stupid, but I'm going to go through it as quickly as I possibly can. If it doesn't say micromachines, it's not the real thing. Remember that commercial from the archives about micromachines? I had this theory based on nothing about Y2K. I tried to explain it in a couple episodes, and it made no sense. And I realize it makes no sense, and I'm willing to ditch that theory as it is labeled currently. Here was the idea. Somewhere around the year 2000 internet boom, humans were surpassed by their technology's ability to a great extent. So rocket ships are just manned little rockets that we were able to do on a small level for a long time. Cars are a combination of fire and horses. That's why we still call it horsepower. It's just little explosions that move cars. Electric cars are just that with batteries. So most of that technology is based on technology we came up with a long time ago. Even if you went all the way back to Da Vinci, you'd see things like basic ideas of helicopters and planes. Now, why is that? We had birds as an analog. So you could look up in the sky and say, hey, look, it's a bird. It's a plane. It's not Superman. Of course it's not. There's no such thing. There's no Superman. Even jetpacks that they had when I was a kid at football games. I remember going to football games and they'd have the jetpack man. A jet Pac-Man, a guy who'd go around like wah, 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 eating little ghosts and was also attached to a jetpack. They didn't have that. What I'm seeing is most of the, let's call it analog technology, stuff that is in the realm of wheels and I said rockets, so let's go with that too. My pan is not different than the pans that existed 200 years ago. How I make my food is not different for the most part than the way they made it 200 years ago. And my microwave was from the 1950s. Not literally. My microwave is more recent than that. But I'm seeing the technology. So Jet, I ask myself out loud with an audience, what was this whole Y2K kerfuffle-ish title you came up with? When the internet boom happened, I told my uncles, who were really excited about it because they were young in their 20s, and uh, eh, maybe they were in their early 30s. I don't want to split hairs here. If you take me to court, I might have to say they were in their 30s. 
but they thought it was going to last forever, just as unbelievably most idiots, sorry, uncles, I'm not saying you're an idiot, but most idiots think that booms will last forever. You can't have a boom if it lasts forever. Do you understand that? Boom, by its definition, is temporary. A bubble must pop. Do you not understand why this language exists? Uncles and everyone who thinks like uncles? Okay. The reason I told them that it was all going to come back to the pencil when the internet boom was at its biggest is that I knew about expansion and contraction. And it really kind of did because that industry collapsed for a long time and then came back with the mobile side. Now, the mobile side got caught up in a wave of global commerce that never existed before. There's been this bubble that is massive, so people can't see it's a bubble anymore. I'm going down a road that's going to lead to what feels like a different hypothesis. But stay with me. You're in your car. You have your climate control. Maybe 100 degrees outside. We're going through a heat wave. That's not a song, okay? You know what's going on, so stay with me. So this bubble's been lasting for a long time. But my point is... After the year 2000, our reach exceeded our grasp. This technology has been cascading in spite of us. When I read Steve Jobs' book, they talked about how they could quantify, and listen to this carefully. I always say listen with both ears, but it's actually a pretty amazing concept. Right around the iPhone time, a little before, in their stock meetings, they could quantify that every year, their technology would get half as big, twice as fast. Half as big and twice as fast every year. They could say in January, by the end of the year, our technology will be twice as fast, half as big. They didn't know how to do that at the beginning of the year, but they knew that by the end of the year they could. That's because technology is helping them create technology. My point is, we still don't know what we're doing with the internet. It's too foreign to our very analog brains. I may have an intelligent watch on my wrist. I may have what the 1940s through 60s would have thought of as a supercomputer in my pocket, beyond their wildest imagination. But those things are not integrated into me. I'm analog. We don't understand technology. If you read something on Facebook, you're, and I hate to say it, but if you look at an animal and you look at us, you got to understand, we're blood and guts, they're blood and guts. They have fur, we have skin, some have skin. Not too different. So our little monkey brains are not able to understand how something that is written is not true. Anything on the internet or that pops up on your phone that seems to have an address that is legitimate will trick you, even if you feel like you're not affected. You can even say to yourself, oh, I know this isn't true, but it's affected you. That's like in those trials you see, usually in movies or TV shows about real trials, where they say, we instruct the jury to ignore that last statement. Well, you can't ignore that last statement because we're not a computer. You can't clear our history and have no trace of it. So we can't unhear or unsee what we've seen and heard. That causes a problem. What if every single day, and I've talked about this before, for those of you longtime listeners, what if every single day you're hearing the same information and the information is completely false based on nothing? None of it has anything to do with the truth. But you hear it so often that it becomes a part of who you are creates a tiny mental civilization in your mind and that spreads and spreads and spreads and then eventually you start thinking it's your own thoughts you may not even notice this is your opinion until you talk to someone and you bring it up as fact those are seeds those are seeds of stinking thinking 
I didn't invent that. I'm, you know, kind of deflecting and saying, oh, I didn't invent that. Don't worry about it. I'm not that geeky. So technology has gone past our ability to understand it. There was, even in my very short lifetime, not as in the future of my lifetime, that'll be very long, live to 190 at least. I'm only 30, as you know. But even in my lifetime, what has happened is unbelievable and not even predictable by the most vivid imaginations of futurists and novelists. Not possible. So we're trying to figure out how to disseminate information because we still need to walk down the street. We still need to know what new laws exist, how to turn on a car, how to get in touch with a person. But in our ever-changing world, and this pandemic has certainly not helped, how do we navigate that world? Where's our compass? If two news stations come up on our feed, whatever it is, Apple News, CNN on TV, some other kind of web thing, internet, radio. If two news pieces come out within five minutes of our brains hearing them, and they are completely different about the exact same event, what do we do with that? Even in the case of Google, and I don't know if you guys have noticed the slippery slope. It used to be that Google, when you'd Google something, it was like Encarta, which I talked about in a couple of episodes ago. I don't know a lot of CD-ROM encyclopedias, so I'm speaking to one I know. That was called Encarta. If I looked something up like the Gettysburg Address, if I looked up when the wheel was invented, I'd have some information that if I went from Encarta to Encyclopedia Britannica, <laughs> I'm not good at that, that name, but if I went from there to there, there would be slight differences. I mean, very slight differences in when the wheel was invented. But they'd cite specific historical information and guaranteed both encyclopedias would cite the same information. There'd be crossover, right? But if the information you're getting every day is nothing like the information in the encyclopedia, being that one story you hear earlier in the day and another story you hear later in the day are completely different about the same event, what does your brain do? When the internet first came out, it gave you eyes into worlds you could never see in the speed that you could never travel. I could see in real time on a webcam what's going on at a mountain in another country. My eyes could never see that. No creature's eyes could ever see that. That was sorcery kind of stuff, right? And I was seeing exactly what was going on. But once the entire system became opinions about situations that are filtered through companies that get money for marketing, this all got changed. And there are no rules. And there's no grand exalted person who runs the world who says, these are the laws as they stand, and this is what you're allowed to say, and this is what you're not. When I took radio, television, and film as a major, back when I got out of high school, and let's say that was recently, but I think you and I both know it definitely was recently because I'm 30 and I'm not playing. But when I took it, there was information that was finite. You cannot show blood on TV. You cannot do this. If you report inaccurately, your company will be sued. But once news companies became entertainment companies, and you were never made aware of that, why would you be? You didn't get to vote on that. But once it became an entertainment news corporation, they could call themselves news, but they no longer had to report on facts. They could report on the opinions 
about events. And there was no investigation, which is what news was. Remember, if you think about the movie All the President's Men, great example. Woodburn and Bernstein? <laughs> Bernstein and Woodside? Woodside and Bernstein? Burns, I can't look it up because my phone makes that noise on the recorder. Tick, 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 tick. So I can't look it up. Bernstein and... Yeah, I, you know I'm good for it. I could look it up. But my point is that those guys actually did an investigation to change the course of history because there was information and there was a source. Today, all of that would be muddied. You'd never hear about it. And if you did hear about it, it'd be one side from one side and one side from the other. They'd contradict each other and then you'd believe nothing. So nothing would be done. So we live in a world where your interpretation is the only thing that matters. That's scary. And then the loudest, most obnoxious, craziest person is going to be the one who's heard. Do you remember when you were young and people would be like the loudest person in the room is usually the stupidest person in the room? Well, now the loudest person in the room has the most attention. And even though they're the stupidest, they're getting the most information out. The Kardashians right? We saw this and we kind of laughed at it. We did stand up about it and we thought, oh, how will that ever affect our world? And then a game show host became our president. It's not an opinion, it's a fact. How did that happen? Popularity, which means how many people know and see you, became more important than information. And now information really doesn't exist. And you have family members, you have friends who believe in these worlds, these worlds that are fed to him through sources that are just purely for misdirection or run by crazy people. The reason you don't hear about cults anymore is they're all done online and people don't have to go to buildings. You can have a cult of 5 million people based on a website that just pumps nonsense. And you have folks that are vulnerable who believe in it. And then they spread that information. And because crazy people are usually the most enthusiastic, they get the largest audience. So in that case... You have a bunch of people living in invisible bubbles, walking around, interacting with the rest of the world. And then when you talk to them from your cubicle, you're like, wow, that's crazy. But it's not crazy for them because they've been getting that information morning, noon, and night. They get updates on it every single day. And every time they get an update in a text or on Facebook, it says, urgent news, breaking news, this just in, you won't believe it. And it just feeds them like a junkie, because that's what they are. They may not know it, but they're a junkie. You won't find a cell phone hanging out of someone's arm on the streets. If all the people you used to trust have all differing opinions and there's no expert in your life, what do you do? How do you know where to go? How do you get more input? I have a solution. And it's coming to me in real time, so don't think like I have five Five facts or five rules to running the rest of your life. Wouldn't it be great? I really don't want to ever have a book that has numbers to anything because I know that's how you sell self-help books, but come on, guys. Is there any number? Seven habits. Oh, I hate Stephen Covey. Ten habits, his sequel. I found some more habits. It's ridiculous. I was hesitant to get into social media. As a matter of fact, all my social media was set up by a production company that was trying to get me to interact with my public as I was a host. And they even said they would run my social media and I wouldn't have to do it. And I thought, great, I don't want it. I don't care what people think I'm doing. I don't want people to know what I'm up to. And then I kind of got into it because, again, these are the same people who invented slot machines. They know 
that your brain likes certain songs, certain noises, certain jingles. When you walk into a casino and that gives you a sense memory of the last time. Well, Facebook does the same thing. They withhold likes. They know how many times you check in. They have an algorithm that says, if they check in three times, give them one like. Then give them five likes. Now, the likes are already there. These are people who are liking it, right? But they can regulate that to give you the highest dopamine hit. That's fine. That's just you looking, in my case, at Cheryl's pictures of her kids because it's so funny to see that Cheryl's kids are now playing volleyball like you remember Cheryl when she was a kid, and that's kind of fun. Cheryl, the woman that in grade school danced on stage to to be a hero, and I fell in love with, and we dated secretly, and she gave me a white Porsche micro machine. So who could forget that? My point is, it's kind of fascinating, and it's fun. People get to see me. They get to go, oh, how's Gina? I love Gina. Gina's great. No one knows who Gina is. I could have made her up. She could be based on an algorithm. No one's ever met her. So I had a solution a second ago, but I got thrown off track. I think we have to start trusting our instincts, our intuition. How do you do that, Dr. Jet? Well, it's just, (laughs) it's not Dr. Jet. It's Dr. Jet's Frankenstein, as you know. Don't, you know. Don't make that mistake. People often do. Jets, no. Dr. Jets Monster? Something like that. That's a play on a joke about Dr. Frankenstein. You, you know what I'm talking about. I don't need to explain it. I think you need to start trusting yourself as a filter. I think meditation that used to be just a hippy-dippy thing, you know, people say that. It used to be something that you just thought was for holistic granola eaters in Santa Cruz, which if you actually go to Santa Cruz, it's mostly monster trucks and energy drinks gopros and stuff but back in the day what we think of as santa cruz what we think of is like humbled it's not that it's centering yourself so you can filter out the insanity that is this world the interesting thing about the future if you looked at it 100 years ago is that things wouldn't look that different it's the world you can't see that's so different it's a world that's in your pocket it's this little glass window to misinformation that sits on your hip or in your purse. That's not really important. That's not the point. Where you put it isn't really important. But that is the future. If you came to my house right now from 50 years ago, you'd be like, oh, okay, that's a bigger car. Now my house is very specific. But if they went to your house, it's just wood, shingles, tar, bolts, nails, some water. That's not that different. But what's in there is very different. And what it gives you access to. And what your brain's able to travel through, like I said at the beginning. You have the eyes of a god. If you want to, you can go see in real time people all over the world. Talk to people all over the world. I have friendships with people in Great Britain, Australia, and I can contact them right now. But the point is, what do we do with that? And I really do think it's just going in. If it's praying or meditating or whatever it is, going inside, I think that it's not praying. I think that it's actually, even if you are religious, it's just connecting with yourself. You're not asking for anything. You're not asking for global or universal answers. You're just closing your eyes, maybe listening to some music. What I've been listening to lately is Native American chants. Is that racist of me? I use that and then I just kind of go inside my body and uh, I try and focus. Just kind of let everything drift. Does that make sense? (laughs) I think you know what I mean. If we don't go inside and start relying on ourselves, then it's going to get worse. 
Because if everyone knows different stuff about the same events, how will we be speaking the same emotional language? I have certain friends where I have to mentally categorize their thoughts and beliefs prior to talking to them based on previous conversations. You know how exhausting that is? I can't have a lot of friends. I have to know how I approach them. I can't talk to this person the same way I do this person. We're just talking about texts because their beliefs are so rigid. And these are people who aren't like 60 living in a shack somewhere off the grid for the last 40 years. These are normal people with normal jobs. But I must approach them with their sensitivities. And now when you go on social media, everyone needs to be approached by their sensitivities. You can't say anything you think without offending 50% of who you know. So we need to go inside. That's not what this show was supposed to be about. How many times do I say that? Too many times. That's the right answer. I think there needs to be a assigned amount of time for you as far as walks and meditation. Anything that works for you as far as internal reflection. So that you're not overwhelmed by all this. Because it's going to cause a lot of insanity. I feel like I'm belaboring the point. Take a second. I've said it before, I'll say it again. Think about what you really think. Think about what you really feel. To put it simply, you must calibrate. You must align your compass. You must figure out where your north is. What you believe. Who you care about. What matters to you. And then approach this overly technical world on your terms. The relationships you have with the people who matter to you as a priority. Your ambitions. Your creative endeavors. As a priority. And then tune your life around that. That's my recommendation. I'm out of words. I'm also Jet Dunlap. And this was the show known as Psychotherapy. Thank you for listening. Thank you.